Welcome to Willow Park Church Online. Thank you for taking the time to watch online, to take that sacred space, to log on, to sit down and to engage in an act of worship at this time. The one thing I know, uh, reading all the reports or the news outlets, is that people are feeling stressed. They are feeling pressures with the areas of their own mental health. And I really do believe that as you engage in an act of worship in this way, from your home, from your living room, no doubt, or wherever you are gathering together, I really pray that God will bring peace to you on your journey and will be with you. Please feel free to email us, make contact. Maybe you've made a decision spiritually to change. Maybe you've made a decision to actually hand over your life to Jesus Christ completely and make him Lord. Last week I spoke about that, that when we go on a spiritual journey, we go through a number of phases. And that phase one is being able to invite Jesus to be the Lord of our life. And then we enter in a period of inner growth, of learning how to live in integrity, learning how to live in obedience, learning how to hear God's voice. And having got that foundation correct, we move on as God develops our gifts. We never stop growing and we never stop communing with Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you. At the beginning of this uh, service, that as Chris comes with the band to lead us in worship, we pray, Lord, and thank you for our young people. Thank you for our musicians. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry that reaches right the way across Kelowna and beyond. We pray that you will be with us and we welcome you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, we will take communion, so get prepared. Here is the worship. The Lord bless you. Good morning, church family. Uh, thank you for joining us online. I invite you guys to just um, join our band here as we just get right into worship. And um, although we're at home, maybe in front of our computer or TV, I invite you to just close your eyes and let's just try to get rid of all these distractions that might be sitting in our head. Let's put our phone aside during the service while we just worship and, and get distractions out of the way so that um, we could just ask the Holy Spirit to come and work as we worship from our homes. So Jesus, we, we adore you, we exalt you, we thank you that through everything, you are the King of Kings, you're the Lord of Lords, your promises, they never fail. God, you're the one seated on the throne where all of the creatures and the elders are, are bowing down and saying, worthy is the lamb who is slain. God, and, and we do that with all of heaven. And we thank you for the cross. We thank you that we get to do this in freedom. Jesus, just go before us this morning. Lead us as we lead. We love you so much. Pray this in your name. Amen.
Jesus, we praise your holy name. Your sweet, sweet name, God, may it ever be on our lips. For eternity, we, we just praise you. We sing Jesus. Worthy are you, Jesus.
are on 
God, we just, I pray that song and those words just over our homes, over our hearts, over our minds. And it's just, through everything, you are well in us. Right into our soul, God. When we trust in you completely, when we, when we trust in you with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, it is well with our soul. To our core being, it is well in you, God. Even just in this place where we are right now, wherever everybody is, let's just all say, it is well with our soul. Just say that out loud. It is well with my soul. And just, just take a moment to thank God for everything he's done for you. Just everything that comes to the top of your head, just thank him. go before us this week God this month that each day we would live in the present God and we would trust that you have a plan for tomorrow and that you are well within us God would you just bless Phil as he speaks as he brings your word God would you speak truth through him you are so good and we love you from our homes, we all say together, amen. Thank you, church family, for worshiping. We're going to uh, listen to the message now. When we come to communion, and as Chris finished off, it is well with my soul. The question I have for you is, is it well with your soul? Do you know that peace? Do you know that relationship with Jesus? Whenever we come to take communion, we are again committing our lives utterly and completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way he gave his body for us, we have given our lives to him. And we've said, come, fill my life, make a difference in my life and meet with me. And so as we take communion, let's rededicate our lives to Christ. Say yes to Jesus. I want to follow him. Lord, we thank you for this bread. We thank you for this wine. And we remember the supreme sacrifice that you gave upon the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but may receive eternal life. We thank you for the cross and your body that was broken and that we can receive eternal life. The body of Jesus, which is broken for you. Eat it in the name of God the Father, God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your body.
In the same manner, the Lord Jesus Christ took the cup, said, this is the blood of our new covenant. I want to remind you that Jesus paid the price. That he traveled literally through hell, so you need never face hell. He traveled through the pain of humanity by having all of human judgment and pain and sin poured into his vessel as the Lamb of God that died in our place. And because he died, we can now live. We thank you that I was once stained by sin, by my own selfishness, by my own failings. But you, Jesus, has taken away all of that and set me free. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Well, if you're joining us and you're going to hear uh, a powerful message from the South community about Sabbath and Sabbath rest, I'll be handling that next week. But also uh, this week, I'll be talking about what happens when we abide with Christ. So after the um, Willow One News, we will then uh, gather together around God's word and look at the difference abiding in Christ makes within the life of the believer. God bless you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. We are looking for leaders for both our youth and kids midweek programs. Youth leaders are needed on Wednesdays or Thursday nights, and kids volunteers are needed for Tuesday nights. We are also looking for someone to help us put together craft kits for our kids ministry. If you're interested in getting involved, please email the church office at info at willowparkchurch.com. We have a few new groups starting up this month, including divorce care on Monday nights, two women's Bible studies on Monday and Tuesday nights, and Gather for Women on Thursday mornings. Visit our website events page for information on how you can join these groups. We would like to invite our friends who are 55 plus to our first hymn sing on Wednesday, October 21st at Willow Park Church at 33. If you'd like to attend, you can register online at willowparkchurch.com hymn. GLOW, our youth group for grades 9 to 12, happens each Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. JUICE, for grades 6 to 8, happens Thursday night from 6.30 to 8 p.m. This week is care groups, and leaders will be contacting youth with more information on what they will be doing. Visit cahoots.ca for even more info. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service.
Well, good morning, Willow Park Church. It's so wonderful to see that you have joined us and you are with us this morning and are willing to uh, worship together. And uh, it's so lovely to see those of you who have come for the very first time and you are joining us. For those of us that are online, on Facebook Live and also on our platform, uh, there on the website where you can connect. Uh, we are so happy. And can I talk to you? It takes real effort. In this days of distraction, of online notifications popping up, dinging, telling you who's doing what, as people are uh, Instagramming their wonderful meals that they're enjoying, and all the excitement is going on out there in the world that you cannot miss out. It is incredibly hard, and yet a beautiful spiritual Discipline to be able to sit in front of your screen or your device and concentrate for this hour in an act of worship and connect with the wider body of the church that you call home. And I want to thank you for doing that. I want to thank you that we, we know that we see the figures. We want to thank you for those of you that engage in that and don't just dip your toe in and dip out and then dip somewhere else and dip there and you don't want to be dipping all right you want to you want to connect in get the full sense of what god is doing and the way god is working amongst us hello there in the gym i can see you i think you've had curtis and um half dick leading worship this morning so you're in for a treat or have been in for a treat and uh, we're excited about that it's been busy at willow park church Honestly, this week uh, we have raised, uh, I, I keep, I don't want to make up the number, but through child of mine, cycling, walking and marathon, uh, we've raised over $25,000 so far. Um, I, I thought it said $33,000, uh, um, but I know that there's, there's thousands of dollars and we're on target to raise the $50,000 that we need. Now, if you haven't sponsored us uh, in our activities or gone and followed that, we, we are excited. The homes in India, they, they beautifully uh, ran through and did their own little marathon and runs. All the little children with their little bibs running like crazy. And 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 respect to Al Gillespie, who um, who who ran with them in the middle of the night. He has this very nice little Facebook post of him running along in the darkness at three o'clock in the morning. Al, that's how you get arrested, honestly. Um, when you're running away from something, the RCMP will grab you. Uh, yeah. So, but, but he did an awesome half marathon, uh, two hours and three minutes. That's amazing. That's amazing. I did it with him and, uh, and uh, Tyler, who did the marathon. And um, I was okay. I kept up with um, these youthful characters until about the eighth mile. And then around Knox Mountain... Um, like an Ethiopian athlete, Al Gillespie went down into third gear and started to leave me behind. The crowd was cheering, but the, the wiser, older sage was able to run. And, um, and I followed him in past the finish line at least 11 minutes later. 
And Michelle reminded me that her first half marathon, she actually beat my time. So um, it's good to have an encouraging wife, isn't it? Uh, I have to mention Elena Weens. I think she walked something in the region of over 65 uh, miles or kilometers kilometers to raise money and she did it every day and kept going I don't know if she's in but that's that's worth yeah a dollar a kilometer honestly or or 25 I don't know but but she did really well and uh, very moving to see her do that and others did so much more Harv and Gwen uh, Dick they they cycled up to Black Mountain and down to Black Mountain and up Black Mountain and down Black Mountain Four or five times. So, and raised over two and a half thousand dollars. Isn't that amazing? Wow. 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 I don't know why they kept going up and down, but hey, um, it worked. So, um, uh, we want to uh, encourage our church family that we're alive and well and God is moving and God is working. And if you can support Child of Mine and donate, that would be amazing. I just think of the um, determination. We're in a pandemic, and I wrote this in the paper this week, is that, that there are many things we can do to protect our mental health. But one of the things we can do is actually celebrate those that are doing remarkable things in our community and are making a difference. And if you celebrate one of the child of mine um, at people that have gone out there and, and reach out and thank them, I guarantee that you will feel blessed and encouraged by it. It almost will feel like you ran the marathon. Try that. But you will because it, uh, research shows and Bible shows that when we encourage others, not only do we bless them, but we feel a blessing within our own lives. And just by speaking and encouragement and doing something to people who are contributing to our community, it makes a massive difference in our lives. So do be encouragers and go for that uh, and move in. So let's, let me pray as we begin the word. Father, we thank you for the lovely time of worship, both online with Chris Baxter and the team, and both here uh, and in our many venues. And Father, we pray your blessing and your presence on the word of God as we expound it and think about it. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us clearly and powerfully, that you awaken something within our lives, within our hearts, so we will be able to move forward and know your, um, your presence at work in our lives, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to remind you that that announcement by Courtney for uh, youth volunteers and children's volunteers is really important because we are getting hundreds of young people through the building. But part of that is being able to help support them by cleaning venues, by helping the process, by checking in. That's the kind of help we need. And if we want to reach the next generation, just volunteer once a month in the week to make a difference to help things move forward. It is three times more difficult to run an event than it was before. Do you know that? I just said three times. Sometimes it feels like a hundred times. But it is more difficult to even, even open the building. We have to follow strict and correct protocol. And our choice is to go with what our government guidelines are.
and then do stuff. But last week I spoke to you about the stages of Christian growth and development. I spoke about that many of us will go through these phases and if we're willing to move from phase to phase. I spoke about um, and used some of uh, Robert Clinton's brilliant research about the spiritual formation of pastors and I applied it to the priesthood of all believers and we spoke about that journey whereby we go from, from our sovereign foundations, that is our gifts and our talents and our abilities, And the point of conversion in phase one, where we experience a moment when we surrender our whole life to God. And we move into phase two as priests of all believers. And we understand in phase two, this is a spiritual growth of inner growth within our lives. What happens at this within our lives? Well, we we learn to understand true integrity about the choices we make in life. We understand what it is to be obedient to the voice of God within our lives. And we also learn to respond to the word, the whisper, the scripture, the guidance of God within our lives. This is the second level of maturity that takes place. I told you last week about a guy that I led to the Lord last week and that he, I explained this to him, that he was on a journey. And I'm glad to say that he came back this week for a one-hour discipleship session about how to go deeper and farther into God. Amen? You know, you have to not only catch a fish, but you have to reel it in. And, and all of us can engage in discipling others. But... We, we, we rarely, it is seen in research, move to phase three, which is maturity when we start to practice our gifts and abilities in consistency in the body. That God gives us assignments. He gives us tasks to do. We understand our gifting and our role. And phase four is convergence when everything comes together and is working in maturity and real fruitfulness happens in our lives. And as mature, devoted, sensible, spiritual Christians, there is a fruitfulness that grows within our lives. And it's never too late to keep growing and keep moving. And then, of course, finally, there is, there is phase five, which is finish well. And how we finish our life. And how we keep serving God. And I worry about our generation because there may be, at times, we see how people have served Christ well, but they have not finishing well. And they've, they've stepped into doubt. They've stepped into that point where they've stepped away from faith. I've had dinner parties and sat there uh, with friends both here and in, in, in the United Kingdom. And some of the conversations feel quite hard and disturbing. Because as we sit around uh, the dinner table out, you remember those days when we used to go out for meals? And, and you sit around and chat, that they're starting to talk about disconnection from church. Disconnection from faith. And all of this kind of secular thinking starts to seep in. And they start to talk about, well, you know, um, religion has created these problems and this. And I'm looking at people that have, have, have known the reality of Christ. But somewhere, at some point, a disconnection is starting to happen. 
and a disconnection in their faith and they're beginning to lose what they originally had. They're beginning to drift away from deep connection with Jesus Christ. They're beginning to, to not engage in spiritual things, although they may even move their focus to other spiritual things that are not helpful. And it takes effort, it takes strength to hold on to the faith that saved our souls and to keep moving. And the question I ask myself as a pastor regularly is, how on earth do we maintain a dynamic spiritual growth and relationship with God without losing ourselves, without losing that relationship with God? Now, I want to attempt to answer that question right now. How do we stop the drift? How do we stop the difficulty? How do we maintain that growth and the development? Well, actually, the effects of being connected to Christ, abiding in. I can only take the words of Jesus and apply them because I have no other way of communicating this message through any other means except what Jesus Christ said. And what Jesus said in John chapter 15 is this, that when we remain in him, abide in him, when we stay connected to the vine, then we will experience ongoing fruitfulness and spiritual growth. So I have to understand that the key ingredient for any Christian spiritual growth is to develop and to maintain an active connection to the vine that we may continue to grow and to develop. And when we stay connected to the vine, four things happen. And these are the four things I want to highlight to you. Number one, we have fellowship with the Lord. And this phrase, fellowship with the Lord, may seem a little strange. But this is what it's all about, even until the very end of time. To the words of the book of Revelation, now the dwelling of God is with human beings and he will live with them and they will be his people and he will be with them and be their God. The very statement, the very shaping and making of humanity is that God made us to have fellowship with him. Did you know that? And if we lose connection with God, we lose that connection in faith. You and I were created to have a intimate, glorious fellowship of revelation and closeness with God within our lives. You and I were created for fellowship. Now, I can go right the way through the scriptures and show this, that we are created to dwell with God. We are created to have fellowship with God. And when we lose the sense of fellowship, we are on the dangerous journey of losing that intimacy where we can start to sit around dinner tables and start to describe our disgruntled nature with religion and with church and with life. Because to be honest, when you do not have fellowship with Jesus and you don't have that intimacy, believe me, the rest is rubbish. Because religion will never save us. Religion will never give us the hope. Religion will never give us the answer. It is sweet fellowship. And there are those from the early 1640s where they introduced the idea of deism that declares that there is a creator God that is out there, but he is not personal. 
He has created creation and stepped back. And he leaves us to run like a watch ticking in time. And this deism encourages denominations were founded on deism, like the uh, Unitarian Church, where it was about the fact that it was just simply the knowledge of God in creation, the knowledge of God mentally, and the reasoning that God must exist. And the danger is, is that we do not want deist Christians. Christians who simply accept that God exists and they have a way to live, but there is no fellowship. Fellowship. So what do you mean by fellowship? Let me take you a quick journey through the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then what happened? He created humankind in his image and breathed life into them. And then he, the desire was to walk in the garden in the cool of the evening and have what? Fellowship. That relationship was broken and chaos entered the world. But God's desire was still to have fellowship. And he looked at the world and saw how evil it had become. And the world needed a reboot, a restart, which was the flood. But he took a family and he brought this family, Noah's family, and they were saved through the ark. Why? Because God wanted fellowship. And then God saw that there was a family, the Abrahamic family. And he spoke into them and devised a covenant by which all nations would be blessed. Why did he devise this covenant? Because he wanted fellowship. He wanted a family. He wanted relationship. And we are part of Abraham's bosom and we are part of Abraham's seed and we are that family of fellowship. When they were in slavery there in Egypt, God still hankered for fellowship and he came amongst them. He broke them out of Egypt and what did he do? He created a tabernacle where God would be present with them as they traveled on the journey. He created Fellowship. They built the first temple. They built the second temple where the glory of God could be. Why? Because he wanted to fellowship with the nation. He wanted to be present with the nation. And the prophets started to prophesy. They started to speak about one called Emmanuel. God with us. And that Emmanuel would come. And what was the purpose of Emmanuel? To fellowship. And so there was a virgin who gave birth to a child. And this child is the saviour. He is God himself who comes to tabernacle amongst us and to be with us. Why did Jesus come? To show us how to fellowship with God. And then he was nailed cruelly to a cross. And on the third day he rose again. And there he filled his church with the power of the Spirit. Why are we filled with the power of the Spirit? For fellowship. And that one day in Revelations, now the dwelling of God is with human beings and he will live with them and they will be his people and he will be with them and be their God fellowship. Simply, if you lose a sense of fellowship, you start to lose your faith. But, but what does it mean? For God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord is faithful. What does it mean to be called? Well it's a very direct phrase in the Greek. It is an invitation to join in and participate in partnership with God. That's what it means. It's like a shepherd 
banging his stick, calling, and the sheep start to gather around, and they know the voice of the shepherd, and they start to come instantly towards the shepherd. You're invited to participate into the kingdom of God. It is like that moment in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus walked on by the seas of Galilee. And as he walked there, he saw them fishing. And as he saw um, Simon and Andrew, he stood by them and he said, come, follow me. As they were casting their nets, James and John, come, follow me. I invite you. I call you to travel with me. Why do I call you to travel with me along this road? Because I invite you into deep, profound, glorious, magnificent fellowship. Fellowship with him. That there's an intimacy. Jesus Christ our Lord is faithful. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you will also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Is it possible that what happens is that we lose a deep, profound sense of inner communion and fellowship with the presence of God? I believe that you and I can commune and have fellowship with God. And that is so sweet, that is so beautiful. There are times when I'm meditating and praying and, and, and working through my scriptures and sitting still. And I've quietened the cocktail party of the mind that tells me this and, and criticizes this and tells me that and goes on. And I've quietened all of the chatter of the mind. And then I sit and it's as if at that moment I barely don't want to open my eyes in case while I am sensing and knowing the presence of the Lord at work within me will disappear because it's so precious and so beautiful and so remarkable. Have you lost the beauty of fellowship? Have I? It takes maintaining, doesn't it? It's like a marriage. Isn't it true? If you're married, for those of you that aren't, it's, it's true. You've got to work at it. I mean, there are some ways to have a good date night, aren't there? And there's some ways not. Rule number one, Phil Collins, if you're going on a date night with your beloved, do not take your mobile phone. Truly. Many a date night has been hindered by my mobile phone. Now, for months, years, I, I, I don't even take my mobile phone out of the house. I leave it. Of course, Michelle takes hers. But I know that when I look across that table and she rolls her eyes at me in that beautiful way and I pick them up and throw them back. And, and as we exchange conversation, I have to put all my chatter, all my stress all of my problems, all of work, all of life, all of the great spiritual struggles that pastors carry. I've got to leave those at the door of Joey's and I've got to sit down and this has to be this, my beloved, 
has to be the most important thing in that space and time at that moment. True, men? True? And I hope you're feeling the conviction of God right now. Because fellowship takes intentionality and it takes focus. And often we're not very good at focusing. And what happens when we don't, well, or we do, when we do fellowship, we won't wither. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such a branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Powerful. Let's unpack it for a moment. John's gospel is beautiful. You get the sense in John's gospel that the, the, the authorship has have traveled to such a deep and profound understanding of intimacy with God. I'm the vine. If you do not remain in me, the key is, He's warning us. If we don't keep that fellowship, if we don't keep that life, if we don't keep that intimacy, you're in danger of being thrown away. I started to think about this thrown away because it seems a bit dramatic, thrown away. It is dramatic. It is literally the same Greek concept when in Revelations he said, I see this, but I have this against you that you're neither hot nor cold and therefore I vomit you out of my mouth. Lovely image. But the truth is, it's the same idea that if you are not enjoying the intimacy and the closeness and your Christianity has moved to deism rather than revelation and fellowship, then there's a danger that the Lord... There's a danger that this is what happens. There's a disconnection. There's a moment. There's a... There's, there's a, a, a actually, the word is also a pouring out. That, that all that you filled in your life, because you're no longer fellowshipping, actually, your life is being poured out. It's actually... It's emptying yourself rather than when you abide in Christ, you fill yourself. You may not always see the reality, but when you spend time sitting quietly with the Lord Jesus Christ and you focus on him, there's a filling that happens. And when you don't spend time with him, there's a throwing away. There's a throwing up. There's a pouring away. There's a backing off. There's a spiritual consequence that happens when we are not willing. And Jesus explains it this way. He says, we simply dry up and weather and we end up actually losing no nutrients, no life is flowing through us, and we've lost connection with who we are. Oh, you say, Pastor Phil, this is pretty depressing. I'm not happy now. Get some good news going. Well, the good news is you can abide with Christ. But remind you of this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
If you've emptied yourself and you've withered yourself and you feel that there is a toxic agent in your spiritual life that is creating a problem between you and God, the promise is this, that God loves to revive withered and broken souls. He comes and revives us. You remember 2 Kings chapter 20? Of course, everyone has memorized it. It is the story of Hezekiah and the Lord tells him through the prophet Isaiah, you're going to die. Oh, he goes, oh, I'm dying. No, I'm sick and ill. And he turns to the wall and he cries, God, you have been so faithful. I want to honor you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. And Isaiah walks back in and says, ah, God says you can get another 15 years. Remember that? He goes, really? 15 years? I give thanks to my Lord. How will I know? And, and Isaiah goes, well, either you can choose that the shadow moves forward or the shadow moves backwards, but it will be a sign that God has granted you this. Remember this amazing story? And he goes to him, he goes, well, then let's move the shadow backwards. And the shadow moves backwards. And he said to the Lord, as a sign that God is doing, reviving of the Lord is like the shadow moving backwards that God God, you think you're going to die and then God turns up and revives you and gives you 15 more years and instead he can easily turn back time and he can revive you in your life. And maybe some of you need your shadow move backwards. Maybe some of you need to be revived. Maybe I need that. I need it all the time. Why? Because I've withered and I need a reviving. I need a, a strength. I need, I need it to go back to where it was before. The word revive is not only linked to 2 uh, Kings 20. It's also linked, the word revive is linked to the whole beautiful idea that when the waters came in disaster, they retreated to a set place where God could then rebuild. Do you remember the flood? And there's an idea that now God had sort of baptized the world and now retreated and now God could revive the world. And often, because we've allowed our spiritual lives to become full of wrong thoughts, wrong attitudes, selfish, egotistical ideas, perhaps sinful Things that are starting to consume us, second-hand offense, first-hand offense. You, the list goes on forever. And this has an effect upon our landscape. And we need a, a fresh baptism, if you like, of the waters of God to cleanse us. And then God revives us, and then we come back to life. So don't give up on Christians who are withered. Because a metaphor is a metaphor, and we know what Christ was saying, and Christ loves the prodigal sons. And people may be withered, you may be withering, you may be dry, you may have lost your direction, you may have even sat around dinner tables and talked about how irrelevant this Christianity is. You may have even drifted at times, but now is the time to renew and revive your soul. This is four points, and I just would like to let you know that I'm not going to get to the four points. But we'll land it correctly. 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So when you fellowship and when you abide, a very simple spiritual thing happens. Is you are sustained. You are held up. You are able to keep going because you're receiving that sustenance that comes from God. That strength, that sustenance. You are being sustained. What the writer of the Hebrew says is that all things are sustained through God. We look at the cosmos, we look at the world, we understand that all things are sustained through God. But what we have to understand is that it's sustained by his powerful word. In the beginning was God and God said, didn't he? By his word he created. And you and I are sustained by his word. I don't mean a dry word. I don't just mean a religious word. I don't just mean a boring word. I don't just mean anything a word. The word here in Hebrew, in, in Hebrew and Greek, is rhema, which means a spoken voice word of God into the world. That God is, if you like, I can imagine God speaking endlessly, because did you know that God is a chatterbox? He's always talking. There's always worship. There's always glory. And we've got to learn to understand that and learn to connect with God's voice and his word in a living way and you know a remarkable thing happens when we get God's word we are sustained when we get God's word to our hearts we are filled with joy we are filled with peace we are filled with love we are filled with hope we no longer wither we no longer crumble because we are being sustained by what God is placing in our lives your devotion low life is more important than you can ever imagine. And you can be sustained. And we have victory over temptation. When we are able to have deep fellowship, suddenly the desire to sin and to be full of emotions and feelings that are wrong go away. But each one is tempted when by their own desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. You know when you're fellowshipping with God and a desire comes in, you're able to rebuke it. Because you're in fellowship and sustained by God's word. I spoke on Friday night at uh, Celebrate Recovery. It was their opening event after the pandemic. And Celebrate Recovery is a Christian's 12-step program. There was probably about 25 or 30 people gathered there in the hall. And my job was to talk about denial. And I'm a great fan of 
12 steps. I'm a great believer in the process and the programs and the principles laid down in the 12-step program. And I have been reading numerous books recently about it. And they, um, the founders of, of, of uh, recovery were, were feeling that they probably were not going to restart. And they said, Lord, give us a sign. Give us, you know, something. They were not going to do it for numerous reasons. And, and I was in my office. I'd been, been thinking. I'd just finished counseling some guys. And I got on the phone and um, I thought, I need to look at recovery. So I phoned them up and the phone went and, oh, it's Pastor Phil. That is really weird because they would never expect me to call them. And they're like, Hi. I said, yes, I just want to ask you about Celebrate Recovery and books and different things. They were like, wow, oh yeah, yeah, we can help you. And they put the phone and said, wow, is that a sign that we should do it? And then the same day, Pastor Phil from Emmanuel calls up and said, I'm thinking about Celebrate Recovery. Have you thought of that? Whoa. So that was a little sign to make them wonder. So they, I launched it uh, on Friday. And I stood with people who suffered. I saw one of our own congregants who's worshipped with us for a long time who has been in sobriety now for 12 months. And it's tough. And as I stood amongst them, and many of you know that my own mother died of alcoholism and, and, and the effects of it. And so I was talking about this and I wanted to say to them, the desires, I did say, and the temptations can be broken. And the reason I believe it is how I wished my own mother had done 12 steps, but never did, never had the desire because always lived in denial. I said, but your thoughts and your desires do not define who you are. Because who you are is made in the image of God. And you have desires that come. But you think those desires are you. But those desires aren't you. You may desire to go back to the bottle. You may desire to look at pornography. You may desire to to engage in unhelpful, codependent relationships that are destructive and tearing you to pieces. And you think, I'm this terrible person because of all these desires and all of these emotions. And as I stepped back, I said, you've got to understand that those Thoughts and those emotions are mounted, are, are, are weather around a mountain. But when you understand that you, those that trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, and you've got to believe that you are like Mount Zion, and the desires, the temptations that come are like weather that comes around you, and you have the authority to step back, to look at those desires, to walk around them, to evaluate them, and to look at them, and to talk to them and to say no in the name of Jesus Christ. Your thoughts are not you. You are who God has made you. And what we've got to learn to do in temptation is turn down the power of dark, negative, destructive thoughts and turn up the fellowship with Jesus Christ. It was a truly beautiful moment in the 12-step group. But it applies to me as much as them. It applies to you and me. That we know that God is with us. And maybe, as we finish, 
that you understand as you watch online, as we're here, is that it's time to get hold of your thoughts. It's time to learn to see freedom. And we do that through fellowship. And when we fellowship, we don't wither. And when we fellowship, we break the power of temptation. Father, I pray for every one of us online, in the gym or wherever we are, I pray that we may learn the beauty of abiding. The closeness of God. That we understand that we can have freedom. And that we can revive our souls. And I pray for everybody online and around that needs reviving, that right now they will be revived.